Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 132 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills answers your table tennis questions. If you take the sum of all two-digit numbers you can make from 132, you get 132, because 12 plus 13 plus 21 plus 23 plus 31 plus 32 equals 132. And 132 is the smallest number with this property, which is shared by 264, 396, and 35,964. <laughs> Woohoo! And it's Throwback Thursday, and today we're going to look at an old video on practicing alone. We're also going to have a quick discussion on Top Spin the Movie, and in the questions, we discuss how much power to put into a highball, how to generate side spin on your loop with a penhold grip, and how to use your wrist to change the angle of the bat. We also talk about using different grips when switching between backhand and forehand and whether it's better to attack or have a balanced game. I'm Jeff Plum and with me as always is Supercoach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Wow, that sounds like a busy show, Jeff. I think we're going to be here for an hour and a half. That is good. <laughs> it is a busy show packed with uh, lots of good information, so uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, it's me too. Wow, let's go. All right, let's get stuck into it. The Ping Skills question of the day from yesterday was, what have been the best and worst rule changes in the last 20 years? Yes, well, quite a bit of discussion. Um, Dieter on the, um, on the blog on pingskills.com um, said that uh, he thinks that all the rule changes have been positive, but the problem really lies with players who want to cheat and hide their serves, use speed glue on their bats, and uh, but he said that the serve rule is still problematic, and uh, as we've discussed previously. So yeah, that was Dita's comments. Okay, interesting thoughts there, Alois. And um, we've got a lot of comments on Facebook. And with the scoring rule change, I had the feeling in the past that I was outnumbered, but I found some friends on Facebook. Lots of people are saying um, up to eleven is a terrible rule, especially if you're not warmed up. Um, some others says, yeah, playing to 11 instead of 21 is the worst. I can understand from a spectator's point of view, but as a player, two non-returnable edges or nets in a game and, you know, someone can get over the line. So 21 is the better player should always prevail. Um, quite a few comments like that. Um, the best rule change, a lot of people are saying the speed glue ban. That's a common one that we've seen here, um, which I agree with. I mean, that's great. Who wants to be changing their rubbers all the time. Um, so I like that one and, you know, probably health benefits there too, Alois. Um, yeah, so frictionless yeah. pimples ban is another one that people don't like. So some, yeah, interesting um, answers there. Yeah, so Vladimir was saying the worst one was the ban of the frictionless long pips um, and the second worst is the service rule and the ball size. Um, and the best was the glue band. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, there was a real wide range, wasn't there? And, yes, I do have to admit that a few people did support uh, your uh, your liking of the games up to 21, but there, there were a few uh, there were a few, were a few that uh, still liked the up to 11. Old Georgie um, liked up to 11, Jeff. So, yes. Um, but, yeah, thanks for all the comments. It was, um, it was good. Nice bit of discussion there on, uh, on the Facebook page. Indeed. And the Ping Skillers question for today, Alois, is what is the single most important muscle for table tennis? So again, you can answer that on our YouTube channel. You can answer that on our blog at pingskills.com 
or we've also put the question up on our Facebook page. So you can just jump in there and leave your thoughts. What is the single most important muscle for table tennis? All right. It is Throwback Thursday, Alloys. Tell us what we're going to look back on at today. Yes. So um, this this has been a really popular one. Um, the one on the lesson on practicing alone, because I think a lot of people do find themselves, you know, without a training partner. And um, so in our lesson on uh, practicing alone, we give you just some ideas, some uh, some ways that you can improve your skills when you don't have a training partner. So, um, yeah, and um, have, have a good look through it because we, we, we go through, you know, just hitting on different types of tables, hitting up against the wall, um, shadow swings, those sort of things. So, um, yeah, plenty of ideas there. And I'm sure other people might have some more ideas that they can share um, with us about practising alone. But, uh, yeah, we, we find that table tennis players, I mean, because it's it's an interactive sport, um, you sort of need someone else to practice with. And a lot of people, though, find themselves without a practice partner. And then, then it's a matter of trying to find some ideas as to what you can do to improve those skills in that time. Yeah, interesting. And I think the video is probably more aimed at those just starting out than those that are really advanced, would you say? Yeah, definitely. So it's, it's more, more about just those basic um, coordination skills and things. Um, something we didn't really talk a lot about in the video is robots, as we uh, discussed yesterday. So, yeah, I mean, they're getting more and more popular, aren't they? Yeah, certainly are. So robots... Um is a good way to practice. And I don't I don't think we did talk a lot about shadow swings in there, Alice, and I think maybe that's a, you know, shadow practice is a video we probably should make soon because I think that can be um, a useful way of practicing alone. Yes, it's a good way of just grooving the strokes um, when you don't have to worry about the ball or where the ball's going as well. So, yes, we I think we need to get onto that one, Jeffrey. Indeed, indeed. All right, now um, I'm just... Going to talk a little bit, Alois, about Top Spin the movie. Now, I don't think you'd heard of this, but recently, or it's actually probably a few years old now, um, some movie producers decided to make a documentary on um, three American teenagers. So it was on uh, Michael Landers, who was the 2009 US Open winner, the youngest ever. He was age 15 at the time. It was on um, Ariel uh, Hing and Lily Zhang. So it just, you know, concentrated on their journey to try and make the 2012 Olympics. And it was funded through Kickstarter. And Kickstarter is a platform where you can raise funding. It's like crowdsourcing funding. So you can put in, so I think I put in $25 or $50 or something. And today I got a signed ping pong ball by Michael Landers. That was one of the things you get for you know, donating the money to the, the course. I'm also going to get a copy of the movie, which I'm looking forward to, but they're still doing releases and stuff, so it hasn't come out yet, so they don't want to ship it out just yet, but soon I'll get it. Um, so I'll put a link in the show notes where you can find out more about the movie. I think it's www.topspinthemovie.com. Um, so, yeah, they did actually, I think, at one stage show me a digital online version of the movie where I could watch it, but I never had time, so I didn't end up watching it. But I'm really looking forward to seeing it. So we'd like to know, has anyone else heard of the movie? And I know they've done some screenings around the place, and let us know if you know anything about Top Spin, the movie. 
That sound, sounds interesting and good concept too, Jeff, you know, um, yeah, getting it out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, it should be really good for table tennis, you know, especially in the USA, following those uh, young uh, teenagers as they progressed. Yeah. All right. Let's get on to the questions. Uh, have you got your your answering mind ready, Alois? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look at me. Here. Here it is. Yes. <laughs> all right. Looking sharp. Okay. First one is from Ilya, who has asked using our Google Plus page. And you can get to our Google Plus page, Alois, by visiting our website. If you go to pingskills.com and scroll down to the bottom, you'll see a little Google Plus logo. Click on that. That'll take you to the page. And there you can click on the Q&A button to ask us a question live on the show. And Ilya says, if I serve short and my opponent pops up the ball, should I go for a forehand kill applying 110% of my power or should I restrict my speed? What is better for my long-term development? Um, I, I think it, it depends on the, the rally. So you need to be able to hit the ball fast sometimes. So sometimes you need to put in 100% and be able to put that ball away. But sometimes you also need to decide that if you can't put that one away, then what do you do with it? Do you play it um, 80% position the position the ball? So it, it depends on, one, whether you're in good position yourself and, two, where your opponent is. So if your opponent is right there or right back and ready um, to make the lob, then perhaps playing it, you know, at 70% or 80%, but playing the angle better or just positioning the ball better um, might be the go. But if um, your opponent is, you know, a little bit closer to the table, you're in good position, then you can just really go for it and finish the rally. So, so it's about being able to do both of those things and also being able to make the decision as to when to do both of those things. So, yeah. So there's a place for both playing at 100%, not necessarily 110%, and playing the ball at, you know, 60 70% as well. Yeah, my first thought when I saw this question, Alice, was you don't want to overexert because you might tighten up. Like if you're saying 110%, you're really trying to, you know, smash it really hard and you might just tense up. And as we talked about in previous shows, it's better if you kind of stay nice and relaxed and you just then you can hit the ball in a nice, relaxed way and you actually probably will get more power because your arm and your body will be working nicely together and come through really quickly. So I guess, you know, when it, when the ball pops up, stay nice and relaxed, play your nice stroke and you'll be able to hit the ball pretty hard. Yeah, that's that's a really good point, Jeff. Um, yes, I, I didn't read it that way, but I, I like your, your thinking on that. Yeah, so 110% probably does um, tend to... to get the feeling of you're really going to try and try um, hard and tighten up. So, yeah, relaxation is really important as well. Okay. Now, this next question is from a really smart person. I can tell because his name is Jeffrey. And Jeffrey oh, says, really? how, do you, <laughs> how do you do the side-sweeping forehand stroke to generate top and side spin so the ball is going inside out with the pen hold grip? Ah, yes. So I'll do it left-handed. But, um, yeah, so what, what you're trying to do is you're going to try and get the, the bat angle up that way and then come around the ball, around the inside of the ball there. So it is possible with the pinhole grip. Um, and just 
so you start almost start like a normal forehand topspin, but then the last minute you're coming across and inside um, the ball to generate that ball swinging out. So if I was doing it right-handed, now this is getting really tricky. So playing pen hold and you're coming around that way. So you're brushing across the ball and that will get the ball spinning sideways and also have a little bit of top spin. So yeah, it's all about the angle of your racket. So we show it to you in the lesson on the side spin, top spin. We're using shake hand in that situation, but you can adapt it very easily to, to play it with the pen hole grip. So we show it to you with a shake hand grip and how to do it. Um, then basically you're just doing the same thing, but with the pen hole grip doing it the same way. Yeah. I guess the shake hand seems just a little bit easier because you can put your wrist back and get the side spin that way, whereas the pen hold is a little bit harder to get that same angle. I mean, I guess the principles are the same, but it seems just a little bit harder for that fading forehand with the pen hold. I actually think I actually think it's a little bit easier because uh. the, back, the back's already up in that on that angle, whereas with the shake hand um, grip, you need to turn your wrist further back um, to get that angle. So that's the shake hand grip, whereas with the pen hold grip. The bat's already up in that angle, and I think it's easier. It might be even a little bit easier to uh, to do the the fade or the yeah the side spin fade. So yeah, give there it a go. go give it a go. Good question, Jeffrey. All right. Of course, of course it was a good question because it was Jeffrey. <laughs> That's right. Next up is a question. Another good question, even though his name's not Jeffrey. This one's from Michael. He says, "Hi, coach." I need to know, do I adjust the bat angle with the wrist or through the finger pressure with my thumb and index finger? Yeah, so um, so when you're, when you're changing the angle of your racket, um, so you can, you can just use the, the finger pressure a little bit to, to change the angle or you can use your wrist or what's even better is to change the whole forearm. So if you're changing your forearm, then then you can um, yeah then you're getting better feedback of where your where your racket is. So so rather than just this, okay, which could be a little bit less reliable, um, or the wrist, you could just turn the forearm over as well. So um, yeah, I mean, so what are we talking about here, Alois? Are we talking about when you're playing a stroke or when you're returning serve and is there a difference, or doesn't it really matter? Um, I'm talking. I'm talking mainly about pl- playing general strokes. Um, so, if you're talking about the return of serve, then you could use use just the the fingers, the finger pressure to change the the angle a little bit as well. But this similar similar um, principles still apply. You know, so you can still change the wrist, or you can change the forearm um, to. Uh, to change the angle of your racket. Okay, so what I'm getting from this, if you're just sort of starting out and experimenting with this, probably best to, to try and change the forearm because you might get a bit better feedback. But there's nothing really wrong with using the fingers and the wrist if you feel it's appropriate. I, yeah. But yeah, as, long, a, as long as you've got enough touch to be able to do that, because when, when you're just moving your fingers and your wrist, it's a little bit less certain as to what angle you're going to end up with with your racket because you, you yeah. haven't got too much control. 
Whereas with your whole forearm, then you've got a bit better control over the actual um, angle of your racket. So, got it. Yeah. And I imagine with the stroke, you don't want to be just fiddling with the angle too much. It's just going to be too inconsistent. That's Yeah, that, that's, that's right. Okay, good one. All right, hopefully that helps you out, Michael. Um, and, yeah, just try and keep that a bit more consistent using the forearm. All right, Samira says... When I switch from forehand to backhand, the forehand is correct, but I tend to keep the angle of the bat slightly open on the backhand rather than keeping it in a neutral or closed position. This leads to hitting the ball off the table. So do you have any advice for Samira? Yes, Samira. So a lot of switching drills are, are really important here. So um, Samira, in the extended question on the Ask the Coach page, talks about, um, you know, when when... Samira's playing the backhand, um, then it's pretty simple. You can you can um, play backhand after backhand, but it's more when the change comes from the forehand to the backhand and then being able to adjust the angle to exactly the right um, position. So this is this is something we, we find a lot with players, you know, and players say, well, my backhand's really good, but in a game, it just doesn't work properly. That's often a, a factor. So it's not about only learning a backhand after another backhand, but it's learning a backhand after you play a forehand or learning a backhand after you play a push. Um, so it's just those combinations and getting those combinations in your brain and, and getting your brain to remember those different combinations and, and, and then to transition from different places to the backhand or transition from different places to play your forehand. So, yeah, it's it's, um, it's an interesting concept to think about and it's an interesting concept to think about when you're starting to think about what you're going to practice, you know. So, so don't only think about practising your stroke to get it better. Think about practising the transition to the stroke and then make the stroke better as well. Yeah, great point there, Alois. And for our premium members, we've got the Training Secrets course, which shows you a lot of different drills and then talks about why they're helpful for you. So the switching drills will talk about things like you've discussed there, Alois. So, if yeah, if you're looking to improve your table tennis, check out the premium membership. Pingskills.com is the place to go. And, yeah, take a look at the Training Secrets course. Um, it's, it's really insightful. Um, Another quick plug, Alois, you said here that Michael, you know, had the, ex oh, so sorry, Samira had the extended question there. If you want to ask a question, you can go to our website, pingskills.com, sign up for a free account, and you'll get our weekly newsletter. You'll be able to ask Alois any questions you like, and um, you'll be able to comment on our blog and answer the Pingskills question of the day. So if you haven't done that yet, head over to pingskills.com and sign up for your free account. All right, Alois, next up is a question from Mindrover, who says, is it always better to attack or is it better to have a balanced game? Like Wang Li Chin, who used to attack all the time, and then we have Zhang Jikur, who has a balanced type of play who attacks when the opportunity arises, but both are multiple world champions. Yeah, so uh, Mindrover actually um, asked this question on the show uh, yesterday, and we just missed it. Um, but um, 
the thing is that table tennis can be played in a lot of different ways. So we've got different um, styles, and we I think we talked about that yesterday. So players play differently. So you don't have to play one particular way to be successful in table tennis. So Wang Li Chin, as you said, you know, all-out attacker. Zhang Zikou, a little bit more balanced with the backhand. Uh, Zhu Xin, crazy man running around playing forehands uh, mm-hmm. with a 10-hole grip. Um, then there's Juicy Hook going back and defending and attacking. So there are lots of different styles that can be really effective. So it's, it's just a matter of finding something that's going to be effective for you and something that you enjoy doing as well when you're playing table tennis. So, yeah, there's plenty of different ways to play this game. Yeah, and I think, like you said, Alice, it's important not to get too caught up in the labels. Like, just to label yourself an all-out attacker sounds like you only ever attack. But um, Wang Li Chin had an amazing block, you know. It's, he's still just sensational at that part of the game as well. So you don't want to just label yourself one thing because, yeah, you. I think... You need to work on all aspects of your game, and you know one of them might be your favourite, and then that'll you know tend to be what you call yourself. But you still need to work on all parts of your game. Yes, exactly. So, so you know th- there are there are the main ways that you win points, but as Jeff said, there there are also other ways that you will win points. You know, like um, yeah, as Wang Li Chin won plenty of points over his uh, career just blocking the ball well. You know, or um, just, um, you know, sometimes just pushing the ball well or returning the ball short. So, yeah, it's um, it's, it's really broad. And I think, you know, that, that's another really um, exciting part about table tennis. Um, there, there's, so much, there's so much scope for uh, learning. There's so much scope for different things and, and aspects of the game that you can learn and develop. And, yeah, we, we just love it. We love the game. We do indeed. All right. Well, thanks, Mind Rover, for the question. Well, Alois, um, before we wrap up, I just want to tell you that that number fact at the beginning of the show, about 132, came from the Penguin Dictionary of Curious and Interesting Numbers. Now, there's a book who wouldn't want to own. My birthday is coming up soon, Jeff. You know, like I couldn't think of anything better. All right. I'll get you one for your birthday. That sounds great. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for watching. Make sure you check out pingskills.com. Answer the Ping Skills question of the day either on our website or on our Facebook page and enjoy your table tennis. Oh, before we leave, Alois, this is our last show for the week. We will be back on Monday. Yes, indeed. Yeah, so have a a good uh, few days, guys. Um, Hope you get some table tennis in and... Um, get onto the Ask the Coach um, uh, site and ask us some questions and uh, might even end up on the show. <laughs>